So it's August 7th, Sunday night, and I'm here doing what I'm basically going to call my Charlotte football preview. So we're going to talk Panthers, UNCC football, and high school football from the surrounding area. So I got Derek Miller back with me, who's quickly basically becoming my co-host here. And we're just going <laughs> to run down those three topics, talk about the major things and what to expect for the coming year. So I guess we'll start with the Panthers. Uh, a few things I included was just looking at their schedule, some of the key games that they're going to play. Um, there's really not that many, but when I went and looked back, there was a couple more that I picked up on. So they got the Broncos in week one. So obviously you got the uh, Super Bowl rematch. So in Denver. Straight out, yeah, straight out the gate with that. And um, Vikings in week three, which when you first look at it, you don't really pay attention to the Vikings, but they were a lot better than a lot of people gave them credit for last year. They lost that heartbreaker to the Seahawks. And yeah, that game made me that game made me throw up in my mouth. I'm not even a Seahawks fan, but that game was or as a Vikings fan, but that game was like, uh, they they're gonna be good this year. The Vikings, that's a game to watch. I agree. For sure. Um let's see what else we had. Oh, the Cardinals. October thirtieth, they play the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals will be one of the best teams in the NFC. I I had them surpassing the Seahawks and winning the uh, NFC West this year. So I think that'll be a really good game. That could be like an NFC championship preview. Um, yeah. That, that, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to talk about, you know, the Cardinals game. And, and, and that game in particular, you know, it, I, I really – that's one of the games I'm circling as well because the Cardinals, I think, are going to be as good as they were last year. Um, personally, I would probably take the Panthers in that game since it's at home and they're very hard to beat at home. But I would not be shocked to see the Cardinals give them a run for their money. That might be one of the top games of the year right there uh, in week eight. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I also included on the list – there's two more. I had the Chiefs. On November thirteenth, and the Seahawks, uh, the first week of December. So the Chiefs, I think they could go one of two ways. Uh, the AFC West, I believe that is. I think they end up winning that conference or a division because I think the Broncos are going to fall off majorly from last year, losing so many people. Their quarterback situation, I agree, apparently in shambles. So I really. I think the Chiefs, I don't know if they'll be great, but I think they'll be first in that division. So it'll be kind of a best in the AFC West versus best in the NFC South. So it's definitely a game to look out for. And the Seahawks, the first week of December. So Seattle and Carolina, I feel like it's always a good game. You had that comeback, that crazy almost comeback last year. And then it's probably been the last – three years or so where they've played and it's always been really competitive. So if I was a Panthers fan, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say Carolina and Seattle is quickly becoming one of the better rivalries in the NFC. Um, and, and maybe you could say if the Cardinals beat Carolina this year, that could also become a rivalry. But Seahawks, you're right. The Seahawks and the Panthers, 
the last two years they've had or the last two three years they've had some awesome games in the playoffs and in um the regular season so i'm excited to see what carolina does on the road in seattle that's a sunday night football game so that place is going to be rocking um i think one of the games that if those were the only two games i've got two that i'm that that are not what you said but there's a game that they have um on a thursday night against the saints right after they play the chiefs they get four days to play that game and that's such a tough turnaround when you're playing a team and they're both at home so it's not like they're traveling but it's so hard to go from playing such a good team in the chiefs i think they're going to be one of the better teams in the afc to playing the saints who are not going to be a slouch and i think that's a trap game for them i'm also interested to see the week 15 matchup with the redskins on the road the josh norman going up against his former team um i i've i'm one to say and i'm kind of outspoken about this i was kind of outspoken about this on twitter more so than anything else but i i i really don't think norman is that good man to man i think he's more of a zone corner really really good in carolina's defensive scheme i'm really interested to see how that game goes that is a monday night game uh, at FedEx Field in Washington or in D- in the D.C. area. So I'm very interested to see how that goes because that's going to be a big game in terms of probably the emotion of that game. And this could be a game where Carolina's vying for playoff for a playoff spot, So um, whether it's home field advantage or whatever. So I think that's going to be a key game, and I think it's also going to be an entertaining one at that because I – just my opinion, but I think the Redskins are going to be a little better than people think. For sure. Yeah, there's definitely some trout games. I just think the NFC South as a whole is pretty weak. Yes, and I agree. I think the Panthers also would agree with that. So there's definitely yeah. some games that could where they could slip up and they could be more competitive than they should be. But no doubt that the Panthers are the best team in that division, and I don't think it's really that close. I think it's closer than it was last year. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to be a little better next year with Jameis Winston getting another year under his belt and and just getting more into that system. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I'm not sure what to think of Atlanta. You've got Matt Ryan, who's quite you know a player. Um, he he can just you turn it on, but the last few years they haven't been uh, the team that, you know, a lot of people got accustomed to seeing, so I'm not sure what the deal is with them. And then the Saints, I mean, the Saints, that's such an interesting situation. Um, Drew Brees is not getting any younger, so um, they're going to have to start looking for a new quarterback soon, and I just don't see a team in this division that can beat the Panthers two times. Uh, and claim this and, and beat enough other teams in the division to win the title. I, I think maybe like Atlanta steals a game at home or Tampa Bay steals a game at home. Uh, but I, I see Carolina winning this division pretty handily. For sure, yeah. And I also have them, and I also have them beating – I'm just going to go out and put this out right now. I have them beating Denver probably by two or three touchdowns. Maybe more. Yeah. Not because Denver's defense isn't any good. Their defense is going to be great, but they have no quarterback right now. And even if they start Sanchez, who's got some experience, or if they start um, uh, the guy they took from Memphis, I believe Paxton Lynch is his name, depending on who they start, I don't really believe it matters because I think, number one, Carolina's going to be a team on a mission, and they're going to want to they're gonna want to get this game bad. It's the opening game of the season. It's banner night 
at uh, Invesco Field there in in um, in Denver, mm-hmm. and to just they just want to steal that thunder. But I also just think they're flat out in this scenario the better team. Yeah, usually the week one games it's like everyone's pretty close. But I think in this case it would be better for the Broncos if it was in the middle of the season I because agree. it would give them time to figure out the quarterback situation. I think then playing a team like Carolina week one is the worst thing that could happen when there's still so many question marks surrounding them going into it. Yeah, and that's not trying to take away from Carolina in any way. Um, I right. think Carolina would beat them at any stage in the season. It doesn't matter when. But they, the fact that it's in the beginning of the season really, really hurts uh, the, the Panthers particular or the Broncos particularly because of that quarterback situation they just don't know uh what the what their next what what that move is going to be even right now so it's going to be an interesting game but like I said I I really am looking at that New Orleans Saints game that Thursday night game week 11 uh on NBC and NFL Network I think that's going to be a, a trip up game it's at home it's easy to get in the lull especially if they have a big win over the Chiefs uh in week 10 but if, if they lose that game, I really don't see them losing to the – I really may not see them losing again until maybe they lose to the Seahawks, but that would be it. Right. Yeah, for sure. So just moving on from this schedule aspect, I uh, just want to talk about some, like, key factors, personnel type stuff. So I think the biggest thing going in, like the big story for them offensively is uh, the return of Calvin Benjamin. Without a doubt. Yep, because losing everything they did, they did despite, in spite of losing him, I should say. And having a big target like that, because Cam's really been, I mean, who has he been throwing to? I, I give mean, Cam he's, a lot of, yeah, the, the, fact that, the fact that he took them to a Super Bowl with the kind of receivers that he did is incredible. And I was kind of, I wasn't on the Cam bandwagon the first couple of years. I wasn't his biggest supporter and people who knew me when he first got drafted can definitely back me up on that. But I give him credit, man. He, t- I, I don't even know. I mean, he was throwing to Ted Ginn and Philly Brown. And, you know, it's unbelievable that he took that team to a Super Bowl and came, you know, I know it was a pretty lopsided victory because of the Denver defense, but he got them to the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. I mean, that's so impressive. But I think it shows the caliber that Cam Newton is. And when you give him a running back, like, uh, or when you give him a wide receiver like Kelvin Benjamin on top of the skill he already has, I'm telling you, they're, that's going to be special to watch. Yeah, for sure. Just having such a big target like that. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin was ridiculous in college. And obviously, no, that doesn't necessarily translate. But with that size, I feel like he's bound to have at least close to 1,000 yards this year. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's just his – you can just throw a ball up, and he can probably go and catch it. We saw that at Florida State with Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston is a pretty good quarterback. I believe Cam Newton right now is a better quarterback. So you give him a better quarterback with a better all-around team than you know than he's had since he played because he didn't play at all last season – I'm really interested to see how Calvin Benjamin does in this game. It's going to be – I think that's going to be one thing to watch, and I think that's one of the reasons why Carolina is going to be so good is because they're adding to their offensive uh, weaponry. 
And mm-hmm. Calvin Benjamin, I mean, if you took him and put him on any team in the NFL, it instantly makes them maybe a win or two better. Um, this is going to be – I think that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a nightmare for defensive coordinators because they already had Cam Newton throwing and getting 300 yards and 400 yards passing to receivers who many people had not really heard of that much. And now they get this guy back. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting, that's for sure. Yep. Um, as far as the run game goes, I, they've always been like, I don't know, Carolina's run game has always been kind of weird to me. Like, they've always had that stable of running backs, but nobody's really great. There's a bunch of solid guys, and they kind of share the load, but no one really has a breakout year. Yeah, so I, think it's, I think it's going to be running back by committee this year. I mean, um, it was kind of the same deal last year. I think really the key um, is, again, going to be Mike Tolbert because I just think he's the, the best fullback in all of football with catching and what he can do in the running game. Uh, but I think early on it's going to be running back by committee and somebody's going to have to separate themselves from the pack in midseason uh, to earn that number one spot. And I have no idea who that's going to be right now. It's so early in a training camp you can't really tell. But I think early on they'll do they'll, it'll probably be more of a committee type of deal and then they, they kind of evolve as they go along. Yeah, I was going to say a guy that – could really step up and it would help them a lot. Obviously, it would be uh, Cameron Artis Payne. Yep. And I saw some stuff from uh, that fan fest they had the other night, and he had a couple big runs. So that was just something to keep on the radar because, I mean, I really, I really liked him in college, and I think if he can – I did too. If he can be half, three-quarters of that guy, then – the Panthers will be much improved when it comes to running the ball. Yeah, it's. I, I think if the Panthers find an established running game and they find a running game that produces and that is effective, along with Cam Newton's running, along with his ability to pass, and along with the defense, what I think is going to be pretty darn good again this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. I think it's going to be a very good season again for the Panthers. The run game is not the 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 uh, the, the magic bullet or the or the secret key to. Um, the success of uh, the Panthers in this game or in the season, but it will definitely help them. I think if they want to win a Super Bowl, they're going to want to have a running game that's effective and that can get the job done. Because uh, one of the one of the hallmarks, I think, of a lot of the recent Super Bowl champions is they've had such a strong running game. And in today's day and age, it's almost it's it's so underrated to have a great running game. And I think that's what separate, separates a lot of teams nowadays from being just average and playoff contenders. And I think if Carolina can get a running game going, uh, they're going to have something really special brewing there and a chance to get back to a Super Bowl. For sure. So from a uh, defensive standpoint, uh, just to talk about their draft a little bit. So obviously with Norman leaving, they had to replace him. And they drafted three corners. So they got a kid from Samford, not Stanford, Samford. I think that was their second pick in the third round. Um, they got a kid from Oklahoma and another one from somewhere else. I can't think of it off the top of my head. So they went out and got – they lost the corner and they went out and got three more. So it would be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who – takes that Josh Norman spot. 
Yeah, and I liked I liked their pick at number thirty, the defensive tackle from LSU, Vernon Butler. Um, yep. I think that um, that was a really good pick to solidify the D line. It was already a very solid D line, but depth is always key in the NFL on the D line, and and you see guys, you see teams being able to rotate in and out. So I think that was a really really good pick by the Panthers. I'm interested as well in to see how they replace Josh Norman. Uh, yes, I, I, I do think he's overrated when it comes to man-to-man. I think Odell Beckham Jr. showed that, beating him several times, um, and then literally hitting, beating him um, with his helmet. But um, I, I think that I, – I, I honestly think the loss of Josh Norman is not going to be as big a loss as people believe because Carolina is so strong in their front four and in their linebackers that – they're going to be able to get to quarterbacks and they're going to be able to cause havoc that way to where early on in the season, they can free up their safeties and and can kind of get them into the, and can kind of ease them in and work there without being exposed. Um, I think the front seven is going to be their key though, to rebounding and to repeating as NFC champions they're going to have to have again as good a front seven as they have and when you have guys like luke keekley charles johnson taking an eight million dollar pay cut to stay with the panthers which you really don't see in today's day and age and i think that speaks a lot about what he thinks this team could do um when you talk about that defensive tackle and i cannot say his name it's the guy from utah they drafted i can't pronounce his name but he is a good one as well, and they've just got athleticism all over their front seven. And if they can get play like they did last year from their front seven, I think they're going to be in pretty darn good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do like their front seven for sure. And I think their secondary is a little underrated, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, agree. I agree. A lot of like a lot was made about Josh Norman – fitting this like being overrated because he was a system corner so then you got to give a lot of props to the system that he was in yes you do you got to give a lot of props to their coaching because their coaching has been great there yeah so i think i think they'll definitely be solid one of the better defenses in the league um i think a lot of people for a couple of years there everyone was fawning over the panthers defense and then when cam had his big year last year I feel like people kind of forgot about the Panthers' defense. And I still thought, even as good as they were offensively with Cam having that year, I think the defense was still the backbone of that team. I agree. I th- and, and you look at the game against Arizona in the NFC title game and the turnovers that they forced in that game, it was the defense forcing those turnovers that was so critical, and they did that all season long. Um, I agree with you, though. I believe their defense is the most underrated part of this team, but it's it's not because they're not good. It's just because Cam Newton was so electrifying and so exciting to watch last year that it was easy to ignore the defense playing a fantastic game when Cam had, you know, a four-touchdown performance, you know, three passing and one rushing and all that stuff. So um, I agree, though. I think that their secondary is underrated, and – I'm not knocking the Panthers or when I say Josh Norman is a system corner because the system is their system and it works. Um, But I just don't, 
I think they're just going to – I think they're going to be able to plug somebody else into there who I don't know. They also did lose um, – I believe they also lost Charles Tillman, who is not a huge loss, but that's also depth, which is part of the reason why they drafted three corners. Um, right. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I think preseason we're going to learn a lot about the Panthers secondary and who are going to be maybe the guys to rise up and, and fill those gaps left by Norman and Tillman. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, so I think basically the keys for Panthers' success is keep Cam healthy, basically, and then the defense will kind of just be the Carolina Panthers' defense as per usual. So I think they'll have a great year. I don't know if I see them repeating. I think it'll be come down again to them and the Cardinals. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, yeah, so – I guess we can move on from that and talk a little bit about UNCC. So this is obviously your forte, being a proud 49er yourself. I'm very proud 49er. So I have the uh, so I have the schedule pulled up right here, and I guess I was. What are your general thoughts going into it for Charles? Well, with with UNCC, this is going to be the big key is experience. Um, UNCC has not lost, I believe, more than 10 seniors at all any year. I believe they have probably over 20 this year. Uh, This is their first class that they brought on uh, that has been with the program for all five years. And what I mean by that is they were redshirted and then they played the four years. So they redshirted the first inaugural season. They or the, the, that makeup season, the, the season where they were just scrimmaging, and they were true freshmen when they first um, took the field against Campbell in 2013. So this is a special year for UNCC because this is that first class that went through all the way. Um, so it's, it's going to be big. Last season they started 2-0, and a win over Georgia State in the Georgia Dome for their first ever FBS win. A cool fun fact, they scored a touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and that game was their first FBS touchdown. Their first FCS touchdown was also a defensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but they won two games. They beat Georgia State Presbyterian, lost 10 straight. And the key for UNCC is going to be quarterback play. Last year they had no continuity at quarterback. They had a lot of shifting quarterbacks. They would bring in a guy named uh, Matt Johnson, and then they would shift him out for Lee McNeil, and then they would put Matt Johnson back in. They put Brooks Barden in, who's a true freshman. This year it's going to be uh, Kevin Olson is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, and if that name sounds familiar, it is. He is the younger brother of the Panthers tight end Greg Olson. Um, right. he, is, he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school in New Jersey, originally went to the University of Miami, uh, left that school, went to Townsend, was dismissed from that school. Now he's here at UNCC with another shot, won the starting quarterback job in the spring. And I'm looking at their schedule right now, and they open up on the road at Louisville, and that's going to be a very, very tough game for UNCC. Uh, they played Kentucky on the road last year and got beat by, I believe, 48 points or somewhere around there. Um, they got absolutely crushed by Kentucky and Louisville. Is kind, Louisville and Kentucky play each other every year. Louisville's the more dominant team. I expect Louisville to blow them out in that game, and it's not because um, I and it's not because I don't believe. It's just this is a young program taking their first steps. This is the first year that they'll be able, if they win six games, to go to a bowl game. So uh, they're just getting their feet wet. This is the fourth year of the program. 
and it's going to be an exciting year, but they're going to open up with a tough loss on the road at Louisville. They come home for two games against Elon and Eastern Michigan. Um, I think they'll win the Elon game handily. Um, I think they've got better athletes than Elon. I think they've got better coaching than Elon. Um, and that's not a knock on the Phoenix. It's just that UNCC is, is just so much better than the last time they played these guys two years ago. Um, Eastern Michigan has not won a out-of-conference road game, I believe, in 60 games. I'm not <laughs> sure how long that is. I think that's like 1999 was the last time they run an out-of-conference road game or something like that. It's some crazy stat. Um, I'm taking UNCC in that game. It's it's experience. They're they're so experienced at every part of the uh, every part of the field. They're experienced. Quarterback really is the only area that I would say they don't have experience in. Uh, Eastern Michigan, I'll chalk that up as a win. Temple on the road, they're going to get beaten in that game pretty good. I think Temple's going to be good again this year. Um, I I personally saw UNCC. They were hanging when Temple was like seven three or ten three at the half. Uh, and then they just pulled away, ended up winning that game 37-3. to But um, I think it may be a little closer this year, but I'm taking Temple. They then on the first, uh, they welcome in ODU, Old Dominion University. That was a game that was a five-point game a year ago. And uh, up in Norfolk, they lost that game on a last-second touchdown pass. I think they actually win that game. Uh, but that's an either-or game. That's one of those games that you could see a win or a loss um ODU is pretty good they're also another program that's established that is very young in FBS play um after that they go on the road to FAU I think that's a loss actually for the Niners uh, it was a very close game it was UNC's first UNCC's first night game last year it was a huge deal um and they ended up throwing six picks in that game it was fantastic and it rained the entire time but um <laughs> Yeah, it was a joy to watch. But um, I think that's a loss, particularly because UNCC in conference play has really struggled on the road more so than anywhere else. Um, and that's a longer that's one of the longer trips they'll take this season um, down to Fort Lauderdale to play that game or the Boca Raton area, I guess. It is a, it is a flip-flop game. I'm going to go with them losing that game, though. Uh, they get FIU the next week at home. I have them losing that one as well. FIU blew them off the face of the, blew them out of the water last year, um, and you know FIU is a good a good program, kind of a kind of a uh, a little bit of an up and coming program. I don't think they're going to win, um, you know, six or seven games by any stretch, but they're better than UNCC right now. I'll take. I'll give them a loss there. On the road at Marshall, that's going to be a tough game. Marshall's a Conference USA favorite. That's another loss. Uh, Marshall's got probably one of the best quarterbacks, uh, most underrated quarterbacks in the country right now. Uh, they've got some great receivers. They have a receiver uh, from South Florida. He was originally a Miami commit, could not qualify to get into Miami, instead went to uh, Fork Union Military Academy, I believe, and then ended up at Marshall, and I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but he's one of the top receivers in the nation, and I think they're going to beat, and I think they're going to win that game at home. I think it's their homecoming. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to lose on homecoming to UNCC. Um, Southern Miss game is the they get a bye, and then they play Southern Miss uh, the next week on the road. I'm going to chalk that up as another loss. Uh, Southern Miss came into Charlotte last year and dominated Charlotte all over the field, um, and you know. That's one game that I could see 
um, kind of kind of being a little closer than it was last year. I think that being on the road is going to, you know, give a little more of a difficult task for Charlotte. One thing I do like is when they're on the road at Louisville, they are going to be in a hostile environment and they are going to experience that and get experience with that. So when they go to places like Marshall and Southern Miss who do have good home crowds, they won't be as intimidated. Um, mm-hmm. The next week after that is Rice. They put Rice. They beat Rice. Beat them by twenty points. With I swear to you, not I swear to God, a hundred people in their stadium. Houston was like <laughs> underwater last year during this game. I swear to God, there was a hundred people in that stadium. If that, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And because Houston plays in the Rice in, in this giant stadium, it, or Rice plays in this giant stadium, and there were like literally you could hear like golf clapping. And that's what it sounded like when Houston scored a touchdown or when Wright scored a touchdown. It was unbelievable. But um, I'm going to chalk that as a win actually, because I think Rice, I think UNCC this year is much better. What happened with UNCC last year at Rice, they got the fumble bug and um, you know, it was just one of those games where you just don't, you're just not with it. It was no score at halftime, 0-0. They were playing good defense, and then they just ended up losing it in the second half. Conditioning was a part of that. It was involved in that as well. I think they got better conditioning this year. The week after that is at home against Middle Tennessee State. This was an interesting game last year. I watched the first five minutes of it. We ended up being down 14-0. I go to dinner. I come back, and it's the end of the first quarter, and we're down 42 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Um, we ended up losing that game 73-14 to 14 to Middle Tennessee State. This was a, a fantastic day. Uh, I'm chalking that up as a loss. Uh, I think Middle Tennessee still better than UNCC. I think it will be a much, com- much more competitive game. I just don't see uh, UNCC winning that game. I, I think they've got a ways to go to beat them. Uh, I think actually Middle Tennessee could finish um, – uh, second or third in the Conference USA East behind Marshall and Western Kentucky. And UNCC lucked out they don't have to play Western Kentucky because uh, that's going to be one heck of a team as well this year. And then their final game on the road at UTSA, I'm going to pick um, that actually is going to be a win. UNCC lost that game in overtime last year at home. Uh, UTSA plays in the Alamo Dome, which is a great venue for a college football game, mostly college football ball game. Um, but I'm picking that as a win. And if I give them a loss at FAU, or I'm sorry, I believe at, yeah, at, Old, at FAU, if I give them that loss, that gives them five wins on the year, which is not a big deal to a lot of people. A lot of people look at five wins and they say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Well, for Charlotte, it would be. It'd be their second year at FBS. They would tie uh, their most win total ever, which was five. They went five and six twice in, in, in FCS play. Um, and it would be something to build on. Uh, if I give them that win at, FI, at FAU, they win six games and they make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So now this is all contingent on several things. This is contingent on Charlotte's quarterback play being much better. Kevin Olson has to show up. He has to play. Uh, there's no other way around it. They've had very subpar quarterback play the past year, uh, and, and that's what they need. They just need a strong quarterback play and strong offensive line play. They actually have a Lombardi watch list in Larry Ogunjobi. He's a defensive end at 13 sacks a year ago. Uh, he's a beast. He's going to be a very good one, I believe. Um, I believe the Outland Trophy, is that the one for the best interior lineman? 
uh, both offense and defense. I believe that's the one, the Outland Trophy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that's it. Uh, he's also on that watch list, watch award list. So um, he's going to be a big factor. But if they can play, get good offensive line play and good quarterback play and stay healthy, if they can stay healthy, they have a shot to win five to six games. Now, there could be, you know, the ODU could beat them. They could get beat by UTSA. They could win anywhere. I think they'll win anywhere from four to six games, though, which for UNCC, building on what they're building on, especially with the recruiting class they got last year with Robert Washington, who is a huge gift for the Niners. A lot of people don't understand. Yes, he had some issues off the field and stuff like that, but this is a dude who had a legitimate offer from the University of Alabama, a committable offer from the University of Alabama. He could have signed with them. And he was at one time committed with a committable offer to Syracuse, and he committed to UNCC instead. So I'm, and I'm not sure what the particulars were. Maybe there was something at Alabama that he didn't like or whatever. But that's a big signing for UNCC, and it's going to be very exciting to see how they do and and how they progress through this year. But that's mm-hmm. my breakdown for UNCC. I think anywhere from four to six wins is possible for the Niners. Um, really this year is just going to be building upon what they had last year, which was a good, which was tough. It was tough. A lot of the games were blowouts, but they were building towards the end of the season. They were playing much better football. And I think that's key is, is that they were playing much better football at the end of the year. Um, and if you're in Charlotte and you're looking for something to do on a Saturday, go to UNCC. It is one of the most beautiful places to go watch a football game. And that's not being biased. That is, just truthfully what I believe, just the setting that the stadium is in and all that with all the new buildings around it. But that's my breakdown. Four, four and eight, six and six, somewhere in there. Uh, I'll be happy with five wins, though. Cool. Just, just one last quick thing on that is how do you feel about uh, the coach and how much longer do you give him at Charlotte? I give him at least three more years, and here's why. Because this is only the fourth year of existence. He's building a program from the ground up, so I understand that. It's also just their second year in FBS, and typically head coaches at the FBS level are given five years, four years to make it happen when they're hired. So I'm observing him from, a, from that standpoint of he just got hired and last year was his first season. Um, now, if they regress and they go 0-11 this year, which would mean they lose to Elon, um, or, you know, they only beat Elon or they win two or three games, then that seat's going to get a little hotter, I think. Uh, But as of right now, I think that truthfully, I think he's safe for now. Um, If they can win four to six games this year, he'll be good to go. I mean, if he makes a bowl game, they may sign him to like a a 20-year contract extension like you see some of these coaches get. Um, But I, I like him. I think he's been a good coach. He's got good coach assistant coaches around him. Uh, it's just a matter of time, I think. But I, I'm giving him another three, uh, including this year, I'm giving him four years because five years at the FBS level, I believe, is enough to at least get your team in a position to where they can make a bowl game uh, and win a bowl game. So, And that's what I'm focused on. I'm not looking at a conference championship or a national championship at this point, maybe down the road, yes. But right now, I think a, uh, a, a, conf- a, a bowl game appearance, a bowl win is, is reasonable right now. Right. Cool. So the last thing, like I said, that we were going to talk about is high school football. So we're not going to talk about the entire state. We're just going to hit it kind of the surrounding Charlotte area. So Mecklenburg County, Cabarrus County, a little bit of Union County. 
also a little bit of Iredale County, I guess, with uh, Mooresville, Lake Norman, places like that. So basically like the 704 area code is where we're going to touch up on. So I guess I will start in 3A and kind of move north to south and then go from 3A and then move up to 4A. So would you, what, so do you guess, want to start at the South Piedmont or the North Piedmont? Uh, we'll start with North Piedmont. How about that? Okay. Let's do that. So I think it'll be the usual customers at the top. So you got Mooresville, Lake Norman, and Statesville. Um, the, I guess the story for Mooresville would be uh, Marty Paxton, the Hickory Ridge coach, um, coming in there. So it's interesting to see how that'll – change things yeah um, it's, it's definitely going to be different over there in mooresville with how cap's gone the job he's done did a fantastic job there with mooresville moving on to a uh, seneca in south carolina but i agree i think marty paxton that that's going to be the the, the the team to watch in terms of how they're going to be is going to be mooresville this year yeah so that lake norman obviously they had those good years with ladowski at quarterback now i'm not really and last year they took a step back. Obviously, they kind of had to. Um, and I think this is really the year to see how good that uh, that coach is over there. Because he got – I'll give him last year. It was kind of rebuilding year, losing so many guys previously. But now I want to see them kind of take a step back up and challenge for the conference. Yeah, and I mean it's good when you can say a rebuilding season was an eight and four season. That's that's a lot, I think a lot of high school teams would take a rebuilding year at eight and four. Um, yeah. With Lake Norman though, they're not going to get any. We haven't had a, re- get we any. Haven't had a rebuilding year in a while. Yeah, um, so you know their fans maybe not used to the eight and four record, but they're not going to get an easy schedule. They're on the road at North Mech to start the year. We'll talk about them later. They're going to be pretty good this year. Two weeks after that, they're on the road at Huff, and Huff's got a good quarterback in Gibbs, and we'll talk about him as well. And in conference, they're on the road at Statesville, which is not an easy place to play. They do get South Iredell at home. Uh, South Iredell is actually my pick to win the conference. I'll, I'll tell you why in a little bit. Uh, and then you have to go to Mooresville, and Mooresville and Lake Norman is a tough, tough game. That's a rivalry game. That's a game where, you know, the stands are full an hour and a half before kickoff. It's one of those types of games. Uh, especially when Ladowski and Akis Rankin were going at it for Lake Norman and Mooresville, respectively. But it's not going to be an easy road for Lake Norman in this in this conference. This is going to be a tougher conference. Um, I, I said earlier that you know South Iredell is my pick to win this conference, and here's why. You know I truly believe Scott Miller is one of the best coaches in the in the state. Really, he's got a state championship ring, and he's just really done a great job there. Last season, they went eleven and three, and they won this conference outright. A very impressive season. They're going to have a very interesting out of conference schedule. They open up on the road at Reagan uh, in the Winston Salem area in the Fafftown area. That's going to be a very interesting game. Reagan's good. Reagan is a good team, um, but not a. Uh, a team that I would say is the class of 4A, but it's a good measuring stick game for a 3A program in South Iredell. And by the way, this will be their last year at 3A. They will make the move up to 4A, I believe. They're north of 1,600 kids right now. Um, How did that happen? They went from 2A state champs to 4A in one realignment. Yeah, they were uh, in North Carolina. For those of you listening in here, and maybe you're not familiar with high school football or familiar with the rules, and you're wondering, well, why does this team with a 4A enrollment playing a 3A playing in 3A? 
it's because you cannot jump two classifications in one realignment. You just go up one. Um, so they will move up to 4A, I believe, in 2017 with the new alignment. Um, it's, and that's just, it's just the way it is. There's been a lot of talk about making realignment every two years. If that was the case, they would be in 4A right now. But that's just how it is. Um, but they've got some interesting games. They get Alexander Central at home to start conference play. Alexander Central is going to be a much better team this year. They got Butch Carter, the old South Caldwell coach, went from South Caldwell to Alexander Central. I think that's going to be a great uh, pickup for, the, for, the, um, for Alexander Central there, for the Cougars of Alexander Central. They get Mooresville at home. Mooresville South Iredell has turned into a very competitive rivalry over the last couple of years. I think that that's going to be a South Iredell win, actually. I think they go on the road. I think they beat Lake Norman. I think they beat Mooresville. They get Statesville at the end of the year. That's a rivalry game for them as well. I think they actually beat Statesville as well. Um, the toss-up game in there, probably going to be either Lake Norman or Statesville because of that rivalry aspect. I expect Mooresville to be around seven, eight wins again this year. Um, Mooresville shared the conference title last year with South Iredell. Uh, both of them with one loss. I believe last year, Mooresville's one conference loss, if I can pull it up here, because I don't exactly remember off the top of my head, uh, it was to South Iredell 21 to 10. So, you know, looking at it that way, um, I truly believe that this is uh, going to be an interesting year. And for Mooresville, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think they will be in contention, but they open up with a tough game on the road at West Rowan. Then they're at home against Huff. Then they're two weeks later, they're at home against AL Brown. And then they're into conference play with Statesville right off the bat. So uh, that's not going to be an easy stretch of games to start the year. And we're going to learn a lot about a, a lot about Mooresville as we go through that stretch. Yeah. Even if they don't, I don't care if they don't win any of those games. I like that they're playing both West Rowan and A.L. Brown. Yeah, I think the Mooresville-A.L. Brown game was one of the better games in the area for a while, and then it kind of went away when uh, Mooresville – I don't know. I, I can't really remember what happened there, but for whatever reason, it kind of went yeah, away. Yeah, uh, I believe it was a rivalry in the mid-2000s. Mooresville went up to 4A. Um, in the O yeah, five realignment, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought. But AL Brown yeah, won that game twenty three to nine last year, so it's going to be interesting to see how that game goes this year. But my pick for the conference champion of the South Piedmont is going to be South Ironell this year. With, but I could see Mooresville sneaking up there and winning it. I could see Statesville coming in and winning it. They always have great athletes. I don't think Lake Norman's going to win it. I think that they've got a really tough out-of-conference schedule, and they're going to—it's going to be a test for them, but uh, very possible for them to uh, to also have a say in this conference race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So I'm gonna move to the South Piedmont, and uh, this one hits home, obviously. <laughs> For uh, anyone listening that might not know or just doesn't know the conferences, this is Cox Mill, home of the Chargers conference, where uh, they've kind of taken a back seat in recent years to uh, some familiar foes that they used to have some good games with and beat up on. So uh, it hurts to talk about, but we're going to do it. So I think... The three teams at the top will be 
Wes Rowan, Colin Cord, and J.M. Robinson, as much as that yep. hurts his day. But I really like what Robinson is doing as far as coaching goes. I think getting that uh, Coach Glass in there really turned things around. And uh, I think he's going to maintain. Getting out, of, getting out of the toughest conference in the state also helped as well. Yep. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, playing Mallard Creek doesn't do anyone any any favors. But um, I think he's going to at least maintain the success they had last year and probably in- improve upon that because I, I think he's really good. I think he's one of the more overlooked coaches in the area. So I think they'll do good things. And I agree. I, I really do agree. I really like J.M. Robinson. A lot of people don't realize they came within – eight points of beating Hickory Ridge. They came within another seven points of beating West Ryan. They came within seven points of beating A.L. Brown, and they lost by one point in the second round of the playoffs to South Iredale. This was a team that was a few plays away from not only being a one-loss team because they got shut out by Concord in the final week of the year, 21 nothing, but this was a team that was one, a few plays away from playing in the third round of the playoffs, which if you had said a year or two ago, hey, J.M. Robinson's going to play in the third round of the playoffs, I think people would have institutionalized you. Um, Coach Joe, Joe Ross has done a fantastic job there. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, for anyone that doesn't know about Robinson or where they were a few years ago, they were kind of a bottom feeder in the South Piedmont, which they're still in. Then they got moved up to 4A. They were kind of right on the brink of 3A, 4A, so they had a couple big enrollment years. They went up and like Derek said, they were in probably, arguably, I guess, but probably the toughest conference in the state with Mowers Creek, the repeat four state champions, Vance, who is, I mean, almost right on par with Mowers Creek, always plays them tough. So that's been their situation for the past few years. And then uh, last year, they uh, back into the, 3A South Piedmont, and they uh, they gave some people some revenge for all those beatings. Yeah, they did. And I just want to let, you know, those of you listening who, you know, we talked about South Idaho, why they are not 4A, and you maybe you're asking, well, why did J.M. Robinson slip back into 3A? J.M. Robinson, what they did was they petitioned uh, the NCHSAA, and they were at 3A numbers. Uh, they had – a spike in enrollment in 2010 and 2011 when the enrollment was written for 2012 through 2016, uh, which put them at 4A, but they weren't even 4A numbers uh, when they started playing in that league in 2013. So uh, they were able to petition. They moved down into 3A, or 3, into 3A, and that's how they were able to do that was via petition, and very few teams petitioned to move up in classification. So that clear. So if anyone had been wondering, you know, well, why isn't South Idol playing up? That's why. Right. Yeah. So, and the other name besides Robinson, I like Robinson's chances, but the other name I keep hearing is West Rowan. And I obviously, they're not directly in my area. I know they're in my, I guess you could say, conference, but I don't know a ton about them. I know they always got some freaks. They got speed guys and they got big boys up front. But uh, yeah. I don't know the particulars of what they got, but when I ask people that are closer to it um they 
say they think West Rowan has a really good shot at winning the conference. Yeah, I believe, and I'm working at um, our good friend over at Carolina Preps, Chris Hughes, does a great job of pulling up uh, state rankings every year, and uh, I believe he has West Rowan actually pretty high on those rankings uh, in the in their preseason top 25 poll. Um, right now, he has West Rowan at number 16 in the 3A classification coming into 2016. Uh, they've got a great coach there in Joe Nixon. Uh, it's no it's no uh, no coincidence that when he left and took the North, North Rowan job, that West Rowan instantly kind of faltered from what they were from the standard that they were at. He was the offensive he was an offensive coach for them, offensive line coach. He's done a great job. Uh, Scott Young has since moved on, the legendary coach. He is at Independence now, but they've got uh, they've still got some great coaches there, and they've got a tough schedule. They're at Mooresville on the road to Davie County, or they're two out of conference uh, games. But I think this is a team that's going to contend for the league crown in 2016, and it's not, and and it's not because of a lot of people maybe looking at West Rand and saying, well, you know, they're just a bunch of big, big country boys. These guys, like he said, have some speed, and I'm going to get a chance to see them on the 10th when uh, they scrimmage at West Forsyth. They're going to scrimmage Catholic, West Forsyth, and Hicker and uh, Huff. And I'm going to get to see them play there, and I'm going to get to see the size they have, and I'll have a better idea then. But I, I believe, actually, they'll finish second or possibly even win this conference. It depends on what happens with Concord and all that. I think they're going to be pretty good. But I've got, I think West Rowan is going to be one of the better teams in all of 3A this year. And I think they're going to sneak up on a lot of people. Right, yeah. Just for you to – you hit on that coaching point. And uh, when Nixon had left and went to North Rowan, it was like people were saying like – and North and West Rowan slipped a little bit. People were saying like that's the missing piece. You don't understand. Like that was the secret to success. And no one really wanted to say that when he was gone. But now that he's back and they're going back to being what they were, it's kind of accepted, I guess, that that was a big – missing piece when he was gone. Yeah, and this was a West Rowan team that a year ago won 10 games and was really, really a, an improved ball club. Just it, it just seemed like all the way around they were an improved ball club. They never went – they were never bad. They were never mediocre either, you know, regardless of who left. Scott Young always did a fantastic job, always got great play out of his guys. But last year it just seemed like West Rowan was playing a little closer to the style that we saw them play. Uh, when they had Kevin Parks and when they had B.J. Sherrill at quarterback and they had that, those three straight 3A titles from, uh, in, in, I believe, from 2009 to 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe you have one more team to talk about. You want to talk about Concord. Yeah. So Concord has a D lineman that I've seen every other day. He's got an SEC offer. I, I've seen it an Alabama offer. Um, I might have seen it in Ohio State. I don't know, but just know that he's a D lineman and he has an Alabama offer, so that's all you need to know. Do we have a so name think, on him? Um, it doesn't come to me right now, but if you know, if anyone listening knows Concord, then they know the kid's name and they can they know. But so. That being said, I think they'll be solid up front. And I really don't know much else. I know they lost Black, the quarterback. He graduated, right? Yes, he did. So they got to replace him. There was talk about a possible transfer coming in, but I think that kid who I 
I won't name since he's staying at his old school is no longer like I said, he's staying at his old school, so he's not going to Concord. So they gotta fill that void. Um their running game, I don't they always so they're two years removed from the Rocky Reed era, but they always plug somebody in there that can do the job. So I don't think they'll be hurting there. Um, they're always good up front. Whoever their O-line coach is does a really good job and always has. Um, they're physical. They get after people. Um, they're just – I mean, they're just solid. They're not going to yeah. light the world on fire, but they're also never going to be bad because they have a steady offense. They run the ball. I think Pat, uh, Paget's play calling is some of the best I've seen at the high school level, just from all the different formations they use. To, um, they run – they actually don't run a lot of different plays, but they run them out of a lot of different formations, so it kind of keeps people on their heels. So I think that's – one aspect so that also helps no matter who they plug into these uh to these spots and they just have a good combination of a sound run game control ball control and good defense so they're always going to be at the very least eight wins eight or nine wins right in there yeah and in uh chris hughes's carolina preps 3a rankings you know we've got they've got them ranked seventh in 3a coming in uh in front of some pretty darn good teams. I, I think Concord this year, I'm going to see them week one at home on a, a Thursday night against A.L. Brown. It'll be my second straight bell game. I saw it at A.L. Brown last year when A.L. Brown beat them. And uh, I, I'm going to see it again this year at Concord. I, I have to agree in that game, his play calling was some of the best I'd seen. Uh, he's one of the best coaches in the area. Um, year in and year out, he's got Concord either deep in the playoffs or playing for a state championship. Uh, he he's he's definitely one of the top coaches in the area. Had them in a uh, uh, you know a tough situation with Crest last year, and I believe the regional final, and uh, ended up taking a pretty bad beating at the hands of Crest. But that was not indicative of how good of a team they really were uh, throughout the season. They went after they beat lost A. L. Brown and swept the conference pretty dominantly. Uh, really didn't have really they had a close game with Hickory Ridge, twenty one to eighteen. And a close game with Russ Rowan, 17 to 10. And that was really it. Everything else was really pretty much a blowout. Uh, I, I, Concord's my favorite to win this conference. Uh, they do have a wide receiver who's got a pretty darn good uh, – he's just – he's one of the better wide receivers. Made some great catches last year in the Bell game. I cannot remember his name either. Um, I had it written down here somewhere, but I can't find it. But uh, I think that Concord – Looking at it this way, looking at their schedule, they play A.L. Brown and Abermarl at a conference. This is a large conference, so they only get two out-of-conference games. Uh, I, I, think the, I think they've got a pretty good shot at, being a, at beating A.L. Brown. That'll be a close game, kind of a toss-up kind of deal. Uh, I'm not sure what A.L. Brown totally has coming back, um, but that's going to be one of the better games. And I've actually got a sleeper here in the conference, and it's Central Cabarrus. And here's why is because Donnie Kiefer is one of the best coaches in the state of North Carolina. Everywhere he goes, he wins. And everywhere he goes, his teams have a shot at winning a conference championship. They've got a tough out of, they've got some out of conference games uh, against Mount Pleasant and Burns out of Lawndale. Uh, they get both those games at home. So that helps. Uh, they do get Concord at home. 
which also helps. They get J.M. Robinson at home. They do have to go to Hickory Ridge and West Rowan, so uh, those are going to be tougher games. I can see them finishing third. I can see them surprising some people, maybe upsetting a J.M. Robinson or a West Rowan or even a Concord and finishing second uh, in this league or tied for second in this league. Uh, that, that I don't believe that's too far out of the picture, really. So I think Cedric Roberis is going to be the sleeper in this conference, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't really address the bottom. I definitely, just to hit on that, I definitely repeat everything uh, you say about Kiefer there at Central. Um, he's not always... And for, those of you, and for those of you who don't understand where Central Cabarrus was before he took over, uh, right. it's, night and, it's night and day. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what they once were regularly getting beaten down by two, three, four, five touchdowns. Right. And Coach Keeper instantly turns them into a competitor. When Cox Mill was built the first year, they, in 2009, they had no seniors. They pretty much got just used and abused by everyone. Their sole win that year was Central Cabarrus. I believe Central didn't win a game for two, at least two seasons, I believe. That might be wrong. They might have won one somewhere in there, but it was a long losing streak. And uh, yeah, he's completely pull that up. Yeah, you could probably just pull it up on Max Fresh. Here's here's what Donnie Kiefer did in the three years in, in the four in four years before Donnie Kiefer got there, they had three wins. They had two mm -hmm. winless seasons in a row, two thousand nine and two thousand ten. Yep. They had a two win season in twenty eleven. Donnie Kiefer comes in in twenty twelve and wins eight games his first season there. Yep. He doubled, more than doubled their win total, almost tripled their win total of the past four years combined. That's why mm -hmm. I never sleep on a Donnie Kiefer coached ball club because they just, you just don't know. They could come out and just have that team. They're going to be good regardless, but they could be, as, I think they're a sleeper in this South Piedmont 3A in uh, 2016. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. So moving on, I'm not going to really address the, because there's a lot of teams at the bottom. The bottom half of that conference is the toss-up. They're all – there's not too many highlights in that group. So I won't even address that. So I'll move on to the Southern Carolina. So this is like Weddington, Marvin Ridge, uh, Cuthbertson. So Weddington and Cuthbertson, I believe it was last year, right, where that was the Western final? Um, it was two years ago. Okay. Who was the three – I guess that would be – was it Weddington and Crest again last year? Uh, no, last year it was um, Crest and Concord in the 3AA uh, regional right, final. Right. This, this league, though, is going to be really interesting, though, because Weddington is very senior heavy this year. Tim Carson is one of the best head coaches uh, in the state, in my opinion. What he's done there with Weddington is awesome. I, I have a lot of respect personally for that program. They've got good people there. They do it right. They, they, they've been uh, – they're nothing but classy people in my opinion. Last season they went 11-3 lost. What? Just a quick thing on Weddington. I think if any – you're looking for like a blueprint of a high school athletics program, not even just football here. They, they're good. They're not like Mallard Creek good at anything. Or they're at least just not solid football. everywhere. Yes, there's not. They don't have a bad sport though. They are good at everything: football, basketball, 
women's soccer, tennis. I mean, track. Everything is there. Right. They're pretty decent there lacrosse. Um, yeah, you so know, this uh, is what were you saying? Yeah, that's pretty much the perfect example of how a high school athletics program should be run. So just, I just wanted to give them a quick shout out for that. Yeah, and this was a team last year that came within three points, 47-44 of beating Crest at home on the road in Shelby to win or to advance to a, another regional final. So that was one of the craziest games. I believe they came back from like 21 down to win to, to mm-hmm. almost win that ball game or, or something like that. It was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, just a great, great, great program that Tim Carson's built or that coach Carson's built there. Looking at it, they've got some tough games early on, and they're going to have some tough games all throughout their schedule. On the road at Audrey Kell, tough game. Pinecrest uh, in week three is going to be a tough game. Pinecrest is always under Coach Metzger there. has been really good. On the road at Monroe, Monroe's loaded with athletes. Uh, they're going to be good this year. On the road at Cuthbertson. On the road at Sun Valley, who's got one of the best young quarterbacks I have ever seen. Um, this kid can flat out play. Let's just say that. Uh, and then Marvin Ridge at home to end the year. Marvin Ridge won this league a year ago. I'm going to pick Weddington to win the Southern Carolina 3A, particularly because of um, of just their senior heavy class. This is a class that has played in a state championship game in 2014, lost that game by seven points to Northern Guilford. Last season, they lost that heartbreaker to Crest. Uh, they lost a heart. They lost a tough game to their rival Marvin Ridge at the end of the year to not to uh, deny them a chance at another conference crown. And I think they're going to be ready this year. I think Marvin Ridge is going to be good as well. Uh, Marvin Ridge, for me, uh, being a Catholic alum, uh, you don't hear many people, many Catholic people, say many good things about Marvin Ridge. But I think they're going to be a pretty good ball club this year. We're going to learn early on how good they are. They'll be on the road at South Mech. They'll get Monroe and Audrey Kell right after that. Um, so we're going to learn pretty quickly how good Marvin Ridge is. Uh, they do get Cuthbertson at home, which is going to be ideal for them. They get Sun Valley and Weddington on the road, though. So those are going to be their two toughest games. For me, though, this conference is going to go Weddington, Sun Valley, and then I think a tie for third at least right now. And uh, side note, Katie Ledecky just set a world record in the 400, I think, medley. Brand new world record. She just shattered it. Um, again, I think it was her own record, but, um, Sun Valley and Cuthbertson finishing tied for third. Sun Valley's got a a great young quarterback. They were only five and seven a year ago, but that's no, uh, that's not, they've got a young quarterback wide receiver duo. That is going to be very good. Piedmont's going to be down there around fourth or fifth. And then Anson, I'll be, I'm going to pick Anson at the bottom of that conference. They, they're, they've just got a lot of rebuilding to do. And uh, it's it's no, it's just uh, it's it's just the it's just Anson's not what they once were, and it is a very tough conference for them. Uh, but that's my thoughts: Weddington, Marvin Ridge, Cuppertson, Sun Valley, and then Piedmont and Anson. Mm-hmm. And also, just yeah. uh, a quick side note: three A rankings. Um, for people who are kind of interested in that. Cuthbertson coming in at 19th. I think Cuthbertson's personally going to be good. Weddington coming in at 13, uh, and Marvin Ridge coming in at 12. So Weddington and Marvin Ridge, the reason I'm picking Weddington, that is a rivalry game. That is a game that can go either way. You really do throw records out the window in that rivalry game. So, And they're right next to each other in the uh, in the rankings, and Chris uses 3A rankings. So 
Uh, that's no shock. But this is going to be one of the better conferences in Sun Valley actually checking in at number 25. So you have four top 25 teams in this conference. I believe it's one of the more underrated conferences uh, in, the entire, in the entire state. And um, it's going to be fun to see who wins this conference. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Southwestern 4A. So there's Butler. See, this is a conference that it's really good, but it's also really competitive. So now I don't really see anyone running away with it, but there's a solid group at the top that will compete for it. So you got Butler, Rocky River, uh, Independence, and Myers Park. Um, so Chadwick at Myers Park has been there. I think this is he's going on his third year or second year. I believe so, yeah. So I really want to see. And he's always – I've always respected him as a coach. I really liked what he did at Marvin Ridge. He played you guys tough um, in 2012. Yeah, they did. They came in and nearly beat Catholic when Catholic, I believe, was a two or a three seed. Um, and for those of you who, again, don't watch, don't, you know, pay much attention to high school football and you're kind of listening, uh, Marvin Ridge was, this was be, this would be the equivalent of like, uh, it, it would be the equivalent of like Temple when they were, or like UNCC almost beating Louisville. Uh, that that's what this would be like if they had if that game was like and Scott Chadwick has done a fantastic job at Myers Park. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I want kind of want to see where they go from there because they've improved under him. That I kind of want to see if they can take a step up. Um. So would you say Butler was the favorite? Butler's the favorite by far. Um, it personally, for me. Uh, you know, this is going to be – they're going to be better than they were last year. They were 10-3 and three a year ago, played Mallard Creek tough. I saw them play Mallard Creek the first time. Uh, they played them – I believe they lost 24-10 to 10 or something like that. They played Mallard Creek at Pro probably at Providence this year. Uh, their stadium is a little too small to host that game, and it always draws a, a pretty large crowd. They lost 24-10 to 10 last year to Mallard Creek in the first game and then lost 35-30 to 30 in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Butler is the favorite, but it's not a running away favorite uh, with this this year, at least in my opinion. Uh, and here's why. It's one team that a lot of people are going to overlook, and it's East Mac. Barry Shuford is a very good coach. He will get good talent. He will get that good talent at East Mac, which is flooded with talent. They were destroyed by um, rezoning in 2010. They're starting to build that back up. They've got athletes there. Barry Shuford knows how to use them. They've got a three-year starter, a quarterback. They beat Butler last year 10-7, to albeit in a monsoon. I think actually East, East Mech and Myers Park are going to finish tied or second or third. I think Independence slides back to fourth. I think they're going to have probably a similar season. It's not going to be that Independence isn't any better or any worse. It's just going to be that Myers Park and East Mecklenburg are just better. Uh, Rocky River, I think they're going to be in there at around fourth or fifth. Porter Ridge, sixth. Uh, and Garinger, obviously, seventh. Porter Ridge, they've just had such a tough time adjusting to 4A. I also think the loss of Blair Harden, uh, the coach there, the former coach there, was, you know, a lot of people don't understand how hard, um, uh, how hard of a, how tough of a loss that was when he left. Uh, and it's really showed the, uh, in, in this league also, though, but it's really showed in their records since but 
I think Butler's the That's favorite. Weird. Not a huge favorite, but they are the favorite in this league. Uh, East Mecklenburg and, and Myers Park and Indy, you could probably shuffle those three, to be honest with you, from second through fourth. And then I think fifth, sixth, and seventh, Rocky River, Porter Ridge, and Garinger, that'll pretty much be uh, locked in and set there. So I think we just lost Derek's audio right there. Can you hear me? So I'll go. Oh, you're back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think, I think it was kind of um, going in and out for a while, and then it went totally black there for a sec. Okay, but- my bad. Uh, I'm just gonna repeat what I was saying. Um, I've got Butler, the favorite, not an amazingly, overwhelmingly huge favorite, but the favorite. Uh, Myers Park, East Mac, and Independence rounding out the next three teams. They can be almost they can be almost interchangeable. Uh, but I think they're all going to fight for second, third, and fourth. And then the fifth or seven, uh, Rocky over Porter Ridge and Garinger, I think that'll stay uh, as it is. You know, I, I don't see much movement with those teams. Yep, for sure. Um, so we'll move on from that, and uh, we'll talk about a conference near and dear to your heart, which is the South Mech 8 for it. Yes, very near and dear to my heart. So, your connection is there, obviously, Catholic. And then, I guess the other two notable teams are uh, RGKL and South Mech. Let you kind of give your take on that because you're so close to that conference. Yeah, well, Charlotte Catholic, just for those of you who maybe uh, are not aware, only team in NCHSAA history to win a state championship in three different conference, uh, three different classifications. So, uh uh, pretty proud of that. 15-0 and 0 last year. Um, you know, this year, though, none of that matters. Uh, and that's the fun part about high school football. Uh, Catholic had 10 all-conference starters last year and lost nine of them. So the only one returning is uh, Jonathan John Newman, who's a, uh, uh, a wide receiver. He's going to be a senior this year. He's got a ridiculous vertical. He's an animal. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch. I'll start with Charlotte Catholic and kind of work my way down. You know, yes, I am a graduate of Charlotte Catholic. I'm very proud of that, but uh, I, I, I am looking at this team objectively. Uh, this, the, the question mark is going to be in their linebackers on defense. They lose all three linebackers. They lose one in Xander Gagnon, who's going to uh, who went to Duke uh, as a three or as a three star recruit, and really that's going to be tough because they open up uh, in Memorial Stadium against Charlotte Christian in the Holy War is apparently the nickname of this rivalry. It was rekindled after 15 years of dormancy, or 13 years of dormancy, and uh, Catholic won that game 5 nothing in a great baseball game. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how they go in that game. It's Catholic's first time at Memorial Stadium in nearly in over 30 years. Uh, that's hard to believe. A Catholic hasn't played at Memorial Stadium in that long. But... Um, mm-hmm. Christian, that's going to be a really, really tough game. They get Providence Day and Country Day next. Not, I, I'm not being biased. I think they win both those games rather convincingly, especially the Country Day game. Country Day is just not what they once were. They don't have the coaching that they once had. And evidence the last two years, Catholic has beat them by 25 and 42 points. Um, it, it, it's really, really – as an alumni, it's fun – when you beat your rival that bad, but as somebody who loves high school football, you want to see a rivalry be a rivalry and be intense. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure this is the year that the Cook Cup gets back to that. 
but just a side note, Catholic is looking for a clean sweep of four um, of four years against Country Day for the first time since they won, I believe, five in a row from '86 to 1990. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of cool that they're going after that longest win streak in over 30 years. Uh, looking, then they are on the road at Rocky River. I think that'll be a win. They could easily be four and zero or three and one heading into conference play. Uh, I believe they'll win their first three conference games with relative ease. Barry Harding Olympic, South Mech is going to be their first tough game on October fourteenth. That is at home, though. That is a uh, a great uh, a rivalry there, the Park Road rivalry. Catholic has not lost to South Mech since '08, uh, so that gives you kind of an idea on. Uh, the, that rivalry and where it's gone. But last year it was a very close game, a 10-7 to game, Catholic getting an interception late to seal it. Uh, that'll be a really tough game for them. I think being at home gives an, gives an edge to Catholic. Anyone who's gone to a game at Keffer Stadium or, or knows a lot about high school football knows that Keffer Stadium is one of the toughest places to play uh, a high school game. And, um, you know, a couple weeks after that, Audrey Kell also at home, which is a big, which is a big game. Last year it was anticipated that it was going to be close. Catholic ended up beating them uh, pretty badly. I believe 43 to nine or 42 to nine was the final last year. They just, um, they just, it's like the wheels fell off for Audrey Kell in that game. In year two under coach Joe Evans, I think it'll be a closer game. That's good. That's become really a deep rivalry uh, in the South Mech eight has been Audrey Kell and Charlotte Catholic. They're very close in proximity. The kids know each other. They grow up, they live in the same neighborhoods. Um, just a just a I think that's going to be a much better game this year I think the conference is going to be closer um Providence at the end of the year Providence is not what they once were uh but I think they'll be a little better as well I still think Catholic beats them uh, on the road but I think Catholic does win this conference but it's what much much closer than it has been in previous years you know Catholic does always reload they've got that core of coaches that's always been there um, I think they're going to do a good job. I think they're going to be fine this year. They may not go undefeated in the regular season, which is fine. Um, but I think they're going to be pretty good this year. They're coming in as the conference favorites. Um, a good O-line, solid D-line coming in. Secondary is going to be solid for the most part this year. So uh, very interested to see how they do those. South Mech, though, a lot of people talking about South Mech and Audrey Kell. You know, I kind of um, made a joke on um, – Carolina varsity it's all in fun and games but you know that Audrey Kell had beat out South Mech for the preseason hype champions uh and we're gonna find out how good South Mech is pretty early on they play Marvin Ridge and East Mecklenburg to start the year then they're on the road week three at Rock Hill Northwestern who's nationally ranked um that's gonna be a game where we will see how far Rocky White has for anyone, who doesn't, know, for anyone who doesn't know Rock Hill Northwestern uh Mason Rudolph the Oklahoma State quarterback that's his alma mater Yes, and um, I, I got to see a chance. I had a chance to see Mason Rudolph play. He played against Charlotte Catholic as a senior, and uh, let's just say he was just as good then as he is now. If not, he's he's better now, but he was just as good then. Uh, and they're loaded again, ranked number thirteen in the Max Preps preseason polls, I believe. Um, you know, so we're going to figure out very early on just how good this South Mac team is. They got some great players. They got a very good quarterback. Um, I'm very excited to see how they do. They'll roll into Charlotte Catholic, probably undefeated in conference with Harding, Barry, and West Mech preceding Charlotte Catholic. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they do. 
Uh, they've got a huge game at the end of the year on the road at Audrey Kell, um, and that could very well decide who um, who wins you know, the second place or if there's a share of the conference title with Catholic or if those two are vying out for a playoff spot, they're both four AA uh, schools, uh, that's going to be a huge game. It's going to be exciting to watch uh, that rivalry. That's a more established rivalry really than Catholic and South Mech is. Uh, they played each other in the first round of the playoffs last year. South Mech beat AK in the final week of the regular season and turned around, I believe, uh, AK turned around and beat them in the first round of the playoffs last year. And, you know, it's um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that game goes. That's one game I'm looking for. As for Audrey Kell, uh, this is a school that, you know, really Joe Evans is a very good football coach, came over from Indy uh, to replace um, – to replace uh, – uh, I am drawing a blank on his name – Adam Hastings uh, as the head coach, and he has done a fine job there. Uh, Joe Evans is a is a good football coach. They've got some new uh, amenities over there at AK. You got a new press box and a and a newer scoreboard. So uh, they're putting some money into that program and they're modernizing it and making it one of the top at least facilities uh, in in Charlotte. And they open up with tough games at home against Wayneton. Then they're on the road against Myers Park, who I expect to be good. They're on the road at Marvin Ridge. They get Huff to come to their place in week four. Uh, they do go to Charlotte Catholic, which is a tough game. And then right after that, the next week, they're at home against South Mech. So you get two tough rivalry games back-to-back. Um, and, you know, I think Adri- Audrey Kell, for me, they've always had the athletes. They've always had the star power. They've sent kids to Notre Dame and to big-time universities, to Carolina and whatnot. But they need to translate that into wins. And I think Joe Evans can definitely and is definitely capable of doing that. Um, it's, it, they've always, they've always had that talent. It's going to be key. I think the line play is going to be key for Audrey Kell this year. Uh, but I'm excited. Those are the top three teams that I'm really looking at. I believe they'll finish one, two, and three, probably in that order. I think South Mech would beat AK this year again. Um, and that's not a knock on AK. It's just, I think South Mech is a little better. Um, as for the rest of the conference, West Mecklenburg is my sleeper. Uh, they've got a stud wide receiver and a stud quarterback. I believe they're both juniors. Uh, and, you know, they, they, have, they have won five games a year ago. So it's going to be very interesting. Olympic will be kind of in the mix in the middle of the pack along with Providence. Barry will have a new head coach this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. And then Harding, uh, I'm putting them at last place until, you know, something changes and that's not being disrespectful and that's not trashing a team. It's just, uh, you know, they've got a long way to go to be competitive in this conference and not saying that they can't do it, but um, that's how I see the conference laying out. I think Catholic is the favorite in this conference, not, not an overwhelming favorite, but a favorite nonetheless. And um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how, uh, how they go, how this season shapes up in the SOMAC 8 because it really was last year. You took a play or two away from South Mech and they had a shot. They would have won the conference last year because they would have beaten Catholic and Audrey Kell. So it's pretty interesting how you can just have one or two plays almost determine an entire conference uh, championship. So uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting, but um, – uh, that's just my my thoughts. I don't know if you have any on uh, on um, on this conference, though, Sean. 
Or yeah. maybe what do you, what you think will happen? Um, I mean, I can't say, like, I know a ton about everyone in the conference, but Catholic is obviously my favorite. Um, it's Brodowitz, right? That's how you pronounce it? At Brodowitz. Yep. So he's great. I mean, just when he was on the staff as a co-defensive coordinator, I would always, when I would go to Catholic games, I would always see him kind of being the voice on the sidelines. So even before he came the head coach, he kind of stood out to me. And uh, now he's just doing a great job. So I don't think they'll miss a beat. I mean, it's kind of the same story every year with Catholic, really. I mean, every once in a blue moon, they'll have an Elijah Hood. I mean, they're never going to have another, another Elijah Hood or not saying they had one prior to him, but every now and then they'll have a star. It's just, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that you say that, you know, uh, Catholic, you know, from 04 to Elijah Hood sent three, they sent four fullbacks D1. Not all of them panned out like Elijah Hood has. Elijah Hood is a once-in-a-generation type of player. Um, but you are right. right. Yeah, but basically I was just saying every year they just reload and they're back. So I don't think this year will be any different. I don't see any reason to pick against them as far as the conference goes. I think the question with them is just how deep do they go when it comes to playoffs. Yeah. And, and uh, Yeah. I think really this isn't the year – that to really keep an eye on Catholic. I think it's next year when they make that transition back to 3A. I think that'll yeah. be really exciting. And and Catholic is going to be very sophomore heavy on varsity this year. Not necessarily in starters, but there will be a lot of sophomores on varsity, which is very rare. Uh, this sophomore class mm-hmm. at Catholic is is special. Um, I've never seen a class this athletic. I've never seen a class this talented across the board in almost every sport. Um so it's going to be very interesting. They've got some of the best football players I've seen. And uh, there's a guy who coached that team on football, Mike Middleton, uh, who will tell you the same exact thing. He's a Catholic alum and currently coaching over at West Stanley. Uh, but he will tell you the same exact thing. This is special. And he's seen a lot of football. As for the uh, 4A rankings, Chris Hughes' Carolina Preps preseason 4A rankings, um, just to kind of cover the last conference that we did, Butler comes in third in 4A. Um, that's going to be a very interesting team to watch. Myers Park coming in at 16th. Um, as for this conference, Catholic comes in at number eight. I think that's a pretty good spot for them. South Mech at 13. Um, a little further down the list at 23 is Audrey Kell. So you've got uh, three teams in the top 25 in this conference. It's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, it's going to be a very, very entertaining conference, I think. But again, I, I have to agree, at least for now, that Catholic is the favorite in this one. Definitely. Yeah, so I think we'll talk about the last conference being the Mecca 4A, the granddaddy of them all, Pretty I much. guess you could say. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so obviously the name, everyone might not recognize the name Mecca as far as the conference goes, but you only need to know one thing, and that's Mallard Creek. Pretty much. Um, they, are, they are truly ridiculous. <laughs> so I was at the state championship game last year when they absolutely dismantled um, – who was that again? A page. Um, 
what I hear, that was as hard as it is to believe that that was the young. So tell me a little bit about about what they have coming back and uh, really highlight their O line because I know that's that's their most impressive feature this year. Yeah, their O line is uh, is is going to be special. They've got some big boys on that O line. Their offense is going to be a little bit in, is going to be a little bit of a question mark going into the season. Uh, their defense is going to be very very good. Their defensive line, excuse me, uh, their defensive line is going to be incredible. Their uh, their their offense is is going to be a little different. They're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, the running game should be fine though. When you've got coaching like they do, I think they'll be all right. Uh, three-time defending state champions, opening up the game the the season on the road at Dillon, South Carolina. And for those of you who don't know Dillon, um, it's a six thousand seat stadium, I believe, but there were ten thousand people there the last time Mauer Creek played. And it's one of the most hostile environments you could imagine. They play at Butler the to the next week the week after that they're at home against duncan burns who they almost came back from and beat last season in in burns and then they get a bye and then after that bye they're at rock hill south point it's unbelievable the schedule that mike palmieri has put together there and it's not because he really wants to it's just because not many people want to play them and i don't blame them to be honest with you um they rolled up into uh into Catholic with Elijah Hood in 2013 and beat Catholic 52 to seven. So uh, that gives you any indication of what this team can do with the te- with talent. It's something else. Uh, but in their conference, they're going to be the favorite in this conference. I really think that it, 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 they're the favorite in 4A. They're the number one preseason team. They're in the top 10 nationally in the match preps poll. All the hype surrounding this club. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team again. I'll definitely get out there for a game or two. I, I love me some Mountain Creek football. Um, the guys there are such classy guys, and, and they they do it right there, I believe. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting with Huff. Uh, Huff is not going to be as good as they were last year. They did beat Mauer Creek in conference play last year, rarity. Uh, Mauer Creek came back and I believe shut them out 44 to nothing in the playoffs, though, so they got their revenge. Uh, Mallard Creek, though, is going to be the talk of this conference, as they should be. But there are going to be some other teams that are going to be really good as well. Vance, I think, is going to be improved. Last year, you had a lot of internal problems with Vance. You just had a lot of issues that I don't think many people saw. Uh, they were, uh, you know, they lost in the first round in a very tough game to, uh, to, to Charlotte Catholic with a missed extra point in overtime, which would have won the game. Uh, I think they'll be better. I think, actually, they'll finish second in this conference. I think Kannapolis is going to be a very interesting team. Uh, I don't think they'll beat Mallard Creek, and I'm really not sure they'll beat Huff. Um, I think Vance is a little bit of a toss-up. I lean more towards Vance. I saw them play Vance last season, and and Concord beat them pretty good. Uh, I believe this Vance team will be improved, so I think it's almost a toss-up. One team to look for, though, in this conference, if I had to pick, is North Mech. Uh, Brad Baker, the head coach there, has done a fantastic job. They went 7-5 and five a year ago, which is one of their best records they've had uh, in a number of years. And, you know, they've got a running back coach there. I'm not sure if he's still there, but um, Vince Campagna, Charlotte Catholic alum. Uh, so, you know, it, it, they've got a good – they've got a good um, – they've got a great coaching staff there. They've got decent players. They've got players where they can compete. And I think they're going to do that again. They come in ranked 25th in the Carolina Preps 4A preseason poll, which is pretty impressive considering where this team was just a few seasons ago. Um, they do have a, an interesting at conference schedule, Lake Norman, Cox Mill, East Mech, 
and Community School at Davidson. I think they'll win that. They'll, they, they, the, their games are going to be on the road at A.L. Brown, Vance, and um, Huff because it, I believe they'll beat Hopewell. I believe they'll lose to Mallard Creek, but, and I believe they'll beat West Charlotte, although West Charlotte I think may be improved. But on the, if they can notch a win on the road at A.L. Brown, or if they can beat Vance and Huff, if they can beat two out of those three teams, they're going to be sitting real pretty come playoff time, and they're going to be battle-tested. Um, I truthfully believe that this conference is one of the toughest conferences in the state because you have a team like Amalur Creek who's good. You have a team like Kannapolis who has fantastic coaching and such great, rich tradition. You have a team in Huff that always has good talent and good coaching. Now you've got North Mecklenburg coming into this, coming onto the scene with great talent. And you have Vance, who's got some of the best athletes in the entire city of Charlotte. West Charlotte is the same way. They've got great athletes as well. Hopewell, I'm picking them to finish last. No disrespect to them, but they've got a lot to work on uh, if they want to be able to get to where they want to be. So uh, that's what I see in this conference, man. I know you've got to let you know a little bit about this conference, having played uh, Kannapolis when you were at Cox Mill and, and living in that area. So I'll let you talk for a while about it. Yeah. Um, as far as Kannapolis goes, I think they're just kind of – now that they know that uh, the next – that realignment coming up is going to get them back to 3A. I feel like they're just kind of buying some time. Um, and I'm not trying to say that in a derogatory way. I'm just saying that there's – where it hasn't been the best to them and there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I do think – I've seen some stuff on Facebook. Um, summer program that they've got going on or – I guess now they're done with it. They're into regular practice. But they always um, – is really second to none. So they always produce the, – the talent that they do have, they don't let it run dry because they're always, there's always a next batch. And they got somebody – another group rolling in. So I don't know a ton about even what they lost really or particulars about who they have coming back. But – I just all I can say is that you can expect them to be solid, and um, the I think the question in this conference is not like who's the best team in the conference. No disrespect to anyone, but the answer is Mallard Creek. Everyone until, in the conference until proven otherwise, until somebody beats them. Right. So the really the question is who's going to come in second. So I think the real, the real battle. It's it's almost like Mallard Creek is just like an afterthought because you already got them plugged in the first spot. So then it becomes all right now. Who's the who's the next best team to them, and who can give them a game? And so far, the team that's proven that has been Vance. Yep. So I agree. Um, I guess if I had to go out on a limb, I would say Vance would be second fiddle to Mallory Creek, but all the teams in there are athletic, and we've kind of seen over the last few years, anyone can be anyone on a given night. Back when Vance was really good, you had uh, A.L. Brown pulled an upset on them. Um, A.L. Brown's got upset by some teams you didn't expect, so it's outside of Mallory Creek destroying some people in that conference, it's really a fun league to kind of watch, because they will, they will beat each other up a little bit. 
Yeah, I think um, I think though that the teams coming out of this conference are going to be very playoff ready. They're going to be experienced against teams with athletes, with speed, with size, with just great conditioning. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I agree. I don't think the question is who's the best team. I think it's just who's going to come up behind Mallard Creek and, and, and you know kind of almost separate themselves a little bit from the pack. I think it can be Vance as well. I think it could be Kannapolis, Hoffer, North Mac. I think any one of those four teams could finish second in this conference and um you know it's um it, it's definitely going to be a race to the finish really i think any one of those four teams can can finish second in this conference uh, whether they can beat mallard creek or not if i had to pick one team in in this conference not out of it but in this conference it could beat mallard creek it would be vance simply because of the rivalry aspect of it and the athletes are very similar do i think that'll happen i i, I really don't i think mallard creek will handle this conference pretty well um, you know, this is a, this is a Mauer Creek team that just, they just reload. It's, it's, it's unlike anything I've personally ever seen. Cause I was not, a, I was not in Charlotte during the independence uh, run. So, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's definitely something special. They got there, uh, the ability to possibly win four straight, um, four double A championships, Really, really an impressive feat. Independence, the only other school to win four straight, four double A independent champion, or independent, or independence, the only other team to win four straight, four double A state championships. So um, it's going to be an interesting year, but I, I think Mallard Creek's going to be the favorite in this one, and I don't think it's close, at least right now. For sure. So um, yeah, I don't think there's really anything else you could say about that. We hit on all the conferences, we went pretty long. We're like, we're at like an hour and 40, a little, little more than that right now. So I think that's a good place to end. Um, yeah, man. I'm not sure what the next idea will be. I'm sure you'll be on in, again in no time. So uh, we'll talk about it, and I'm sure we'll be back pretty soon with an episode. So thanks again for coming on and doing another one. No problem, man. It's a pleasure. I'll talk to you later. All right. Peace out. So there's our show. Like I said, we went we went pretty long. I know last show I think it was about hour fifteen. We went about hour forty, hour forty five on this one. So uh if anyone made it this far, thanks a lot for uh sticking with us and listening to the entire thing. Um, I really appreciate everyone that gives a listen to this. There's not a ton of viewers. I just started it. Um, I know I just posted the link to iTunes yesterday because I just got approved for iTunes. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, just to see yourself up on there. So anyone that can subscribe and download the episodes, I'd really appreciate that. All you got to do is go on your podcast app that's on everyone's phone. Search for Fitz Sports Show. You should see it. You click it, download how many episodes you want, subscribe to it, and then the episodes will automatically come. Listen to them, don't, whatever you want to do. But uh, I appreciate everyone supporting it. Another thing you can do for to help is go to the website I've had. Now, and that's Fitz Sports Show, F-I-T-Z, Sports Show, all one word, dot 
WordPress, W-O-R-D, press, P-R-E-S-S, dot com. So uh, basically what I do on there, I try to do as much as I can, a few articles a day. It's mostly it's kind of funny stuff, not too serious, but it's also in a factual way. So I talk about news in a fun way that kind of hopefully makes people laugh. And uh, they can still get their sports news, but kind of have some personality to go along with it. So check that out. Um, follow me on Twitter. That's at S Fitzsimons, S-F-I-T-Z-S-I-M-O-N-D-S. And uh, that's where I share all the articles. So I appreciate everyone listening, reading, do whatever you can to support this. Um, I'll be back soon with another show. Thank you.